This is Oklahoma football. All right, we're back. Tyler Burton, Adam Jacquez, right here once again for another game week. Wait, scratch that. Not a game week edition of the Mainline Podcast. Uh, some big news out of Norman today, Oklahoma versus West Virginia. That game has officially been canceled. Happened just before lunchtime today. Uh, OU was set to travel to Morgantown this weekend to take on West Virginia in what was supposed to be OU's regular season finale. Uh, two football teams that were coming off entirely different types of games this past weekend. OU took care of business. Kind of in sloppy fashion on one side of the football, beating Baylor 27-14. to And West Virginia got blown out 42-6 to against Iowa State up in Ames on Saturday afternoon. So uh, this was a game that I think OU fans were wanting to, to see this team play. Obviously another chance for us to check out uh, this Leak and Riley coach football team. And honestly, I think at the same time, too, this was a game that the coaches and the players, I feel like they wanted to play, kind of get the bad taste out of their mouth for the performance against Baylor, uh, specifically for the offense side of the football. That was probably Lincoln Riley's, uh, his offense is probably their worst or I guess their most underwhelming performance in a football game since he's been calling plays here at OU. But um, like I said, uh, OU West Virginia, it has been canceled. Now that kind of shapes it up to where OU and Iowa State both have a bye week uh, here on Saturday, and that shapes up a big-time matchup next weekend down in Dallas for the Big 12 Championship. So, uh, Adam, welcome to the uh, outcome. Well, welcome to the podcast. Uh, should be a fun, fun episode. We kind of had a had to scratch the. Uh, uh, the script a couple times, a few different topics that are no longer relevant anymore, but we're just going to wing it, dude. So uh, what's up, buddy? Yeah, I don't know why uh, you say that this isn't a game week edition of the podcast, because this is actually a live pod and reaction to the ladies basketball team up in Lawrence right now, who I believe as it stands right now, they're up by four, which I don't think we'll be able to say very much this year. I honestly, I did not even know that the women's basketball team was playing right now. As big of uh, as big of an OU athletics fan as I am, I'm, I think that just kind of uh, expresses how much I care uh, about the women's basketball program, specifically because of the direction that that program has been tanking uh, and going for the last I don't know half decade or so. But uh, hopefully, they can uh, pull it pull it out up in uh, up in Lawrence and. Uh, get get the first win of the year for uh, Sherry Cole's bunch. So keep me keep me updated on that as the uh, as the evening rolls on. But uh, dude, just to kind of get started, um, obviously no West Virginia game this weekend, but we were both in attendance here in Norman uh, last weekend when OU took on Baylor, and obviously we di- didn't have time to do a post game podcast. So just kind of give me your initial thoughts, Adam, what you saw from uh, from from this OU football team against Baylor this past Saturday. Yeah, it's kind of been beaten to death a little bit as far as, you know, the offensive line play and just the sluggish uh, offense in general. It's still puzzling to me why this offensive line hasn't gelled and come together more. You know, there's probably three or four games in the middle of the year where they were really solid, but they got off to a real slow start at the beginning of the year. And now uh, with that Baylor game, that was not a great performance at all which doesn't really make sense still considering you know all the starters that came back from the previous year and all the experience on the line. Uh, so it is odd, and, and they were completely healthy as far as we know, no COVID, uh, people you know sitting out last week. So very strange how they've had such an up-and-down year. Uh, but I don't think that it's indicative of what we'll see from the team down in Dallas here in, I guess, about 10 days or so. So I'm not too worried about it. 
Well, we saw it going all the way back to the, you know the playoffs last year. Dave Aranda, the defensive coordinator at LSU, he had tremendous success against Jalen Hurts and that OU offense, holding them to twenty eight points, and you know kind of taking that same blueprint uh, down to Waco, becoming the head coach there. We saw them do a lot of unique things with their fronts, and honestly, they they kind of handled B- Bill Beanbow's group pretty pretty well for the entirety of that football game. So uh, I think that that was kind of the main reason why I think that OU getting this game in against West Virginia was so pivotal because you. One is you want to give those guys another full game's worth of live reps to kind of you know gel as an offensive as an offensive line, but also you know get Spencer Rattler you know more comfortability, another game under his belt, kind of build that continuity, uh, continue to build that continuity continuity with his receivers. And uh, but again, we're not going to get that. I'm kind of going back and rewatching some of the Baylor game. I don't think that OU fans need to be concerned. I kind of think it was just you know it was just one of those days like you like you alluded to. Uh, OU had to shut down the facilities and the program for five days the week beforehand. No work with the guys whatsoever, and you know, coming off a big time Bedlam win, maybe maybe looking ahead a little bit. You know, not taking Baylor super seriously, but you know, we'll just chalk that up. That's a one time thing. And uh, again, OU's got a big time test next weekend against a an Iowa State defense that has do they Matt Campbell. He has got that team rolling right now. Um, you know, usually going into a Big 12 championship game, uh, as an OU fan, you've always got to feel confident, been the top dog for the last decade here. But honestly, that Iowa State game, man, that's uh, that's going to be a test. OU's going to play their best football to, to win next Saturday. For sure. it's uh, It'll be an odd feeling because OU will be on the visitor sideline uh, in Jerry World, which we haven't seen since they brought that game back in that's what, 2017, so that's what I was. Yeah, that's what I was texting you about the other the other day. Is you know now that we are going to be solidified as the number two seed, that's a completely different side of the stadium. Where are we going to be sitting? You know, as we kind of look for tickets, and it uh, looks like we'll both hopefully be going uh, next weekend. But uh, yeah, super excited about that game. Iowa State's got a, is a fantastic football team. They're kind of peaking at the right time right now. Uh, Brock Purdy's playing his best football of the year. I'm excited to watch. Uh, OU's defense now that they've got you know Ronnie Perkins back being able to help you know that defensive line uh, be at full strength against them compared to what they were previously in the year uh, when OU lost to him up in Ames but super excited about that game we'll again we'll dive into that uh, quite a bit in next week's episode we've got a big uh, big 12 championship preview planned for for next week so it'll be fun but uh, Adam just kind of just to kind of uh, kind of dive into this you know we talked a little bit about earlier today what we wanted to do on the podcast now that we don't have a game this week weekend and COVID man has really, I don't know, asserted itself across the country. You know, we've, we're, it seems like, you know, every hour we're getting more and more tweets from analysts and reporters about new cancellations, you know, different things like that. So, um, Adam, looking back at it now that we're, you know, we're almost to the, you know, the input, the, the goal line for, for this football season, what do you think, looking back at it, what, just kind of what are your thoughts on college football as a whole and how we've handled this 2020 with COVID and games being played and, you know, all, all the different protocols that have been in place? Yeah, it's been a roller coaster year for pretty much everybody. I think here in the Big 12, we've been some of the more uh, more fortunate fan bases up until probably about Thanksgiving weekend. Almost 90% of the Big 12 games had been played. Very few cancellations or postponements. Other leagues had had some more difficult challenges, but at least here in the Big 12, we've we've had it pretty good. And then as we come into the finish line, a little bit of limping across the board, but pretty much every team other than Baylor got off, uh, I think, all but about one of their games. So that's encouraging. Uh, if you look at it from a nationwide perspective, 
there's been north of, I think, 120 games canceled so far. Then if you take into account the shortened league schedules, uh, non-conference uh, slates that got removed way back in August, it easily doubles or triples that number. But 120 games that were, were scheduled you know, at, at the beginning of September that have been canceled roughly so far. I don't know the exact count on that, but I, I would say it's a success. Um, you know, There's been some teams that have been hit a little bit harder than others, but for the most part, everybody's got in probably about 70 to 90% of the games that they scheduled. Yeah, I think that it's been a tremendous success. And again, from the outside looking in, we don't know, you know, to the full extent on what these programs and these college football coaches and teams have had to go through from, a, you know, following the protocols, the social distancing, and then all we hear about the three to four tests that are happening every week. And then you've got to deal not only with the positive cases, but the contact tracing. And, you know, we could spend a whole entire podcast dealing with kind of how that's been, kind of how that's gone. And, uh, the the enforcement behind all that, but again, super super proud of uh, college football as a whole. If you would have told me prior to the start of the year that the it would take all the way up until the final weekend of the regular season before the Big Twelve would have to cancel a football game, um, honestly, you you couldn't ask for 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 anything better. And uh, uh, I think that we've been very fortunate uh, being a fan of a program in the Big Twelve. I think that. You know, coming into this summer with the the Big Ten kind of you know jumping out, wanting to be that first conference to kind of lead. Uh, obviously, the cancellation of football season, and then you know watching the leadership from the ACC, the SEC. Bob Bowlesby haven't been a huge fan of him the last couple of years. I thought he did one hell of a job in kind of spearheading, you know, the the leadership team for the Big Twelve, getting getting everybody to uh, to play football this season. So I, I've been extremely happy with it. There are a few different things, you know. I, I wish that the uh, contact tracing, the rule, the new rule that kind of went into effect, decreasing the amount of time from ten days down to seven days, would have been nicer to see that go into effect a little bit earlier this season. Maybe could have had some more. Uh, uh, you, you know, some more key guys that that were out for, for you know for COVID or contact tracing would have been nice to have them back on the field for some of these matchups that we've had throughout the course of this football season. But you know, we we got through. We're, we're almost through it, dude. We're almost at the finish line playing a football season during a global pandemic. So uh, I, I'm happy about it. You know, what more could you ask for? Yeah, I, I think especially for us in the Big Twelve, we've had a lot better than other conferences because you look at teams in the Pac-12. Washington might only play four games this year. Uh, so that, that kind of sucks for their fans, uh, for the players not having the opportunity to play more often. And in addition to all the different support roles, people that are, rely on their income for these games to take place, uh, that's, that's really tough. I know Texas laid off quite a few people. Nebraska had planned to lay off or furlough quite a few people as well until the Big Ten decided they were going to come back and play this year. I don't know if that ever got reversed or if they're going to continue to go through with that, but there are so many, so many people that that make their livelihoods off of this sport. Um, and I know there's a discussion about, well, the players should get paid, whatever. Regardless of that, you know, there are a lot of people that are able to pay their rents, pay their mortgages, put food on the table because of the football games that were played this year. So I'm very appreciative of that as someone who used to be in that position. Um, and still has a lot of people that I know that uh, that are still in that position. So very appreciative of the fact that we have that. And I don't take for granted every Saturday where I'm sitting on my couch watching football for 10, 12 hours straight, even if it's half the game's canceled and it's a rough slate of games. I still enjoy it. I'm still thankful for it. Um, so I do feel like it was the right choice. And the contact tracing, 
as you mentioned, did make it a lot tougher, but um, still just grateful that we were able to play this year. Yeah, and again, we I, I think that you know athletic departments across the country, you know, especially you know whether it's the event management staff, the marketing crew, the ops crew, the ticket office, different things like that. I think that all of those staffs, you know, deserve a huge shout out for you know kind of overcoming the adversity, all the different things that they had to deal with during this pandemic. Right now, it, it couldn't have possibly been easy. We've obviously you know so we're still in contact with quite a few of them here at OU that are having to go you know go go through all these different hurdles and different protocols and all the adjustments that they had to make but again want to the fact that OU was able to get in every single you know home conference football game here in Norman uh truly outstanding work by those guys and you know kind of what you were alluding to Adam the the negative impact you know by not having a football season or even having you know a partial football season that's resulted in these layoffs and budgets being cut and positions being cut you, you know it, it's had a, a huge negative effect um, on these universities and also on these college towns too. I mean, look at a place like Norman, Oklahoma, who we were fortunate enough to have all of our home games this year outside of Tennessee. But, you know, the the impact that it has, you know, on, a, on an area like Campus Corner where you've got these businesses that are part of this college town that rely on those five to six Saturdays every fall, you know, not just to, you know, to essentially pay the bills. And, you know, that's how, that's how they make their livelihood and that's how they put food on the table. So the fact that we were able to get – uh, you know, so much college football played around the country, even though it was a little, you know, unorthodox. I, I, I just think that it, you know, uh, I just think that it, you know, it speaks highly about, you know, all these different athletic departments and, again, what they were able to overcome uh, to put on this show each and every week. So, but Adam, to, to kind of transition over here, I do have one more question for you regarding college football as a whole during this whole pandemic. Obviously, there's been a there's been a huge discrepancy when it comes to the different leadership styles and kind of the way this whole thing was was gone about up at the top with all these different conference commissioners and things like that. You know, just kind of talk a little bit about comparing like how the ACC, the SEC and our, our conference here in the Big 12 kind of how, you know, they kind of separated themselves from the Big 10 and the Pac-12 who not only canceled football season to begin with at the beginning, but they delayed the start of it which, you know, we'll talk about here in a little bit, has kind of killed their chances when it comes to postseason play. Yeah, you know, the joke even before the pandemic and all this went down was the slogan of the Pac-12 was, it just means less, <laughs> which is the opposite of the SEC, which it just means more. Everyone kind of knew that the West Coast didn't care nearly as much about college football as the rest of the conferences. Why and so that, I think this, <laughs> Well, <laughs> I, I don't know. I... I to be honest, I've never been out there, so I don't fully understand part of the culture there. Uh, but um, I just this just furthered the divide. It it's it's hard for us in the middle of the country where the restrictions are a little bit different for us to kind of understand. It's very different over there. It's complete. It's a different world. Uh, it feels like they're they're in a different country. So their focus isn't necessarily on you know getting the games played. And that shows in the result of the season that they had. So it just really furthers the divide there. There was no, I don't believe there's any high school football in California as well. So I'm curious to see if that divide continues to deepen as the years go on, or if they bounce back a little bit as well. I think the more interesting storyline is with the big 10, because you know, a football-rich history conference, even though Ohio State's really the only major player there. Um, 
on a national college football discussion usually. That's interesting to me as far as are they going to take a step back in future years? Well, I, and again, it's definitely, it's been interesting to watch, you know, the, the different ways that these conferences have handled everything, you know, just the, I was always, you know, not, not a true fan of like the, the PAC 12 that, you know, obviously they've got some good teams, you know, every other year, USC has been good over the last decade or two, Oregon's been coming on, but honestly, it just goes to show during this pandemic, the level I don't know if if it's the passion of the fan bases or just the how, how different conferences care on a completely different level compared to others. But when you saw what the ACC and the SEC and the Big Twelve did, like they were playing football no matter what. Like there's no telling what it would have taken for them to not not to at least try compared to what the Big Ten and the Pac-12 did, just canceling it all together. And now as we're going through this college football season, I mean you know teams are battling for playoff spots. Now you're starting to see, look at a team like Ohio State, where that delayed start and the, you know, the not following the same, you know, COVID protocols and scheduling protocols that these other conferences did in a much better way. It's really, you know, kind of come back to to kind of bite Ohio State in the ass to the point to where the conference had to come in and completely change the rules just so that their best team could have a fighting chance to to compete for a national championship. So I think that's a perfect segue into the uh, college football playoff rankings that came out with their uh, their new batch this week not a whole lot of change if any in that tops you know top 15 or so uh, but Adam, kind of kind of what were some of your early takeaways when looking at the new rankings you know was it an Iowa State jumping all the way up to seven was it coastal Carolina you know only moving up five spots to number 13 so what kind of uh, what kind of jumped out at you uh, looking at the new playoff rankings this week yeah you mentioned we've we've had the same four teams in the top four the entire season I guess or the the couple weeks that we've been ranking teams from for the college football playoff last week I made a call for some upsets and we didn't get I don't think one uh, unless you consider Coastal beating BYU but I don't think that's really much of an upset Uh, so yeah we haven't seen many upsets I did for a minute on Saturday night in the stadium think no not this upset not Baylor over OU but uh, but other than that, yeah, it's been it's been pretty stagnant at the top there. Iowa State made a big jump. I don't know really what that means because I don't think that they're truly in reach of getting into the playoffs because it do you buy Texas A&M potentially losing to Tennessee? I don't. No, I, I don't see anything like that happening um, just because, you know, Tennessee is a dumpster fire of a program right now. Honestly, I wish OU could have played them this year. Uh, we could have gotten that game in. I think that would have been fantastic for an OU fan with all the all the trash talk that Tennessee has been doing in the every single offseason, it seems like. But, Adam, th- this has been probably the most boring, you know, set of college football playoff rankings since this thing began back in 2015, like you alluded to. The top four the, as we see it right now, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, the top four from the first set of rankings, I think that's going to be the same four teams in the playoff here in two weeks whenever they do the selection show. Um, we can dive into that right now. I think that there is one team who, again, just speaking for myself, and you know, we, we kind of hear it echoed throughout the, uh, throughout the area here, but uh, give me your thoughts on Ohio State. Uh, where they sit right now, five and zero. Obviously, they didn't qualify for the for the Big Ten championship uh, by the original rules that were laid out by the conference prior to the start of the year. But now, 
obviously what we saw yesterday, the Big Ten has changed the rules to allow a 5-0 and Ohio State who did not meet the original six games threshold. They are going to be playing in the Big Ten Championship against Northwestern next Saturday in Indianapolis. So, um, just Adam, what are your thoughts on, on Ohio State? Do they deserve to, to make the playoff if, if they win next weekend? Or what are your thoughts on that? I mean, we talked a little bit about how the Big Ten was slow to the game, didn't want to play, then kind of had this reactionary, okay, I guess we'll play a season. And they're, they might get lucky enough uh, with Ohio State. Uh, they might get off even through all the way that they kind of bungled the return to play and the procedures for people sitting out. They really were shooting themselves in the foot all along the way, and they might get away with it. Um, in what will really a lot of people will look at the playoff committee from this point forward and go, eh, it doesn't matter. Just the biggest names are going to get in because Ohio State could finish with what five, six games, and still get into the playoff. Even though a few years ago we were told, oh, the thirteenth data point was so important, that's why TCU didn't make it into the playoffs or Baylor in that year uh, as well. So. It's kind of frustrating. I don't think that they deserve to be in it. They really haven't played anybody any good. They almost get a better matchup in the Big Ten championship game against Northwestern, who kind of struggles to score, uh, versus potentially playing Iowa instead, who I think is a little bit more of a complete team and will be a little bit more challenging. So they kind of get off a little bit easier there. Well, this has definitely been a year where Ohio State is going to end up making the playoff one to start things off, I definitely think they are one of the first, one of the top four teams from a talent standpoint, regardless of how many games they played. But at the same time, too, if if the argument being made for Ohio State is well based on the eye test and the talent level that we know that they have in that program, they're obviously they need to be made. The, they obviously need to make the playoffs. So. Adam, why play the games if they, if they just want to go ahead and put the most talented teams in every year? You know, if it goes into a scenario like that, obviously you're going to have Alabama, you're going to have Clemson, you're going to have Ohio State, and then you know maybe every other year it's a it's a battle between Georgia, LSU, Oklahoma, Notre Dame. But there comes a point in time where you have to reward the teams that played the games. Looking back, looking back at it, two quick things here: Ohio State is five and zero. As of right now, they have of those five teams that one of those teams, one of those wins is over a, is over a team that has more than two wins. They took care of Indiana at home by a touchdown. Indiana is now six and one, one of the best stores in college football. The combined record for the other four opponents that Ohio State has played, a combined record of eight and eighteen. Nebraska two and four, Penn State two and five, Rutgers two and five, Michigan State two and four. God knows what they would have done to Jim Harbaugh in Michigan if that game would have happened. But Adam, if Ohio State wins next weekend, which I fully expect them to do, I don't think Northwestern's as good of a football team as as what the ranking reflects on it. I think Ohio State will take care of them pretty easily. You're talking about a six and zero Ohio State who will have played two teams with a winning record. And they're going to get put into the college football playoff over a nine and one Texas A and M, a nine and zero or ten and zero Cincinnati. I just it, there comes a point in time where I guess I don't understand the logic and the reasoning behind the the playoff committee putting Ohio State in at playing you know four to five games less than everybody else, other than the fact that they're going to put them in because of the logo on the helmet. 
Yeah, although Iowa State doesn't have much of a logo on their helmet, but but yeah, I see what you're saying. Well, there. It's and, it's the it's the brand, you know. It's the yeah, it's the pageantry, yeah. the tradition behind that program. But I mean, there there comes a point in time where you got to play the games and you got to reward the teams that have been fortunate enough to play the entirety of their schedule this year. I agree, and even if they had played a few more games, they really wouldn't have been able to bolster their resume much because uh, Michigan State is two and four, Maryland is two and two. Michigan was two and four. So they really wouldn't have had any more quality wins, even if they had been able to play those games. So even if they were seven and zero right now, it would be a pretty weak seven and zero. where if it was, I don't know, Indiana or Minnesota who had that record, no one would be taking them seriously, but it's Ohio state. So they are, and they're, they're going to get into the playoffs unless they get upset by Northwestern. They're, they're basically in. And I, it is frustrating that, some of these other teams like Cincinnati that have played so well and have played a lot more games, or even in Iowa State, if Iowa State beats OU in the Big 12, they have a bad loss against Louisiana, who is still a top 25 team. You should number, still number, beat them. But, yep. but, but I would say Iowa State has a decent argument playing a more grueling schedule uh, and, and winning a, a conference championship. They have a better argument in some cases as well. I do agree, you know, you can't just say – oh, well, they're the best team because why play the games? And that kind of relates to what people were talking about a little bit with OU. And I know it's way too late. OU really couldn't reschedule a game today for this Saturday after it being canceled. But that thought line of, well, OU doesn't want to get beat up before a big 12 championship game. So it's like, well, why why do you even play any of the games? Like, Don't get beat up anytime. Just don't play. So that whole thought line kind of floats into other areas as well. And I really hate it. Yeah, it was definitely funny, you know, watching social media all day after the after it was it became official. OU tweeted out that the game this weekend had been canceled. <laughs> Fans, you know, lobbying for OU to play uh, Texas A&M, OU to play Ohio State. Um, obviously a, a lot of things that makes for, you know, fun discussion, fun debate, but, you know, obviously not realistic. There's no way in hell Ohio State would want to do something like that when all they have to do next weekend is beat Northwestern and they're in the playoffs. I think that that would be, obviously it's not going to happen, but Texas A&M, it would benefit them to play OU uh, this upcoming weekend because once you get down to it, if OU beats Tennessee on the 19th, if they were to beat OU on Saturday, that's just another feather in their hat makes our argument that much stronger um, when, when vying for that fourth spot compared to Ohio State, but um, Adam, I, I thought it was I thought it was very interesting. Can't re- remember who tweeted it out. I apologize. Uh, obviously, want to name the source, but Coastal Carolina has a better resume than Ohio State right now. Coastal Carolina is undefeated, ten and zero. They've got a they've got two top twenty five wins over Louisiana and BYU. Two, you know, not not the best programs in the world, but two top twenty five teams. Ohio State has one top 25 win, and they've played five games so far this year. So obviously, put them on a neutral field, I would, of course, pick Ohio State. But that all goes back and back and point to where, what does the committee truly value? Is it the eye test? Is it the team that has the most talent? Again, not to beat a dead horse, but you've got to look at the strength of schedule. You've got to look at the strength of the record. What's the path been for this entire football season for, for all of these teams? And, it you know... It, 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 it goes without saying that Ohio State has had a very, very easy road to get to this point right now. And uh, I, I'm telling you, dude, the way that the, the playoff rankings are set right now, I think it's going to be the same four teams uh, just in a little bit different order whenever Selection Sunday comes out uh, here in about eight or nine days. So 
Um, Adam, anything else on the college football playoff rankings before we, you know, kind of transition over to the next topic? The only thing I have is, you know, 2020 hasn't been the most fair year, but I think the best way that we could kind of wrap up a college football season would be Northwestern just beating Ohio State, taking the Big Ten completely out of the playoff discussion because that's kind of what that conference (laughs) deserves for what they basically tried to bully everybody else into doing this year and all this discussion and rule changing to help Ohio State out. That's really what they deserve. Don't think it'll happen, but I would love it if it did. I do have one scenario here that I've kind of been asking a few different people on. I've gotten, you know, a a bunch of different responses on what they would do, but I would like to get your opinion on this. Um, I don't necessarily see this happening, but it is a very real possibility um, after next, you know, after conference championship weekend. Next weekend, Adam, just by, you know, looking at the playoff rankings right now, suppose Florida beats Alabama, wins the SEC title. Clemson beats Notre Dame in a close, hard-fought football game. They win the ACC. Ohio State obviously wins the Big Ten Championship, takes down Northwestern. A&M wins out. Cincinnati wins out. So, therefore, you've got a one-loss Alabama, one-loss Notre Dame, one-loss Clemson, one-loss or undefeated Ohio State, a one-loss Texas A&M, and an undefeated Cincinnati. Who gets in at that point right there? And a, a one-loss Florida. I don't know if you mentioned that or if I, I just didn't hear it. And a, and a one-loss SEC champion Florida. Yeah, so I think I think Florida's in. I think Clemson is in as a one-loss champion. So there's two. Ohio State would have a championship, but that's really only something they bring in as a differentiator. Um, man, Alabama, I don't know how you keep them out because they've looked like the best team all year. I think Alabama's a shoe in no matter what. Alabama's in right yeah. now. No matter if they win or lose against Florida, they're, yeah. they're in no matter what. Yeah. So I think you've got Alabama, Florida, Clemson, and then it comes down to Notre Dame, Ohio State, AM. Mm-hmm. I think you could make the no- argument that Notre Dame has lost to Clemson. It kind of uh, negates the win that they had in South Bend in a, in a way. And they don't have a conference championship. So you might be able to push them aside. A&M, I mean, they have the win over Florida. I don't know. I don't want to see that again. I don't want to see that again. I don't think A&M, we've already seen Alabama A&M one time. I don't care to see that again whatsoever because um, I think Alabama right now, they're playing even better football than when they blew Texas A&M out you know, a month or so ago. But the, again, it's a very real possibility that it's going to come down to an argument between a 6-0 and Big Ten champion Ohio State versus a what would it be a 10 and 1 Notre Dame whose only loss is to the number 2 team in the country. So Might again, be the number 1 team at that point. Exactly, exactly. So uh it's going to be a fun debate. Obviously I, I we'll dive into it later later next week. I don't expect, you know, I, I don't think Florida is going to beat Alabama. I think it will be an entertaining game, but I fully expect the Tide to take care of business up in Atlanta, but uh dude, I cannot wait for conference championship week. I mean, Clemson Notre Dame part two, Bama Florida OU Iowa State rematch. Um, sign me up, dude. I'm I'm all for that. So, um, Adam, let's uh, let's kind of transition here. I think that's a perfect perfect segue into our uh, our our week fifteen betting cards. Uh, this has been one where obviously the cancellations that have happened over the last two games, I've had to take three or four games off the card. I don't feel confident about this whatsoever with all the different things going on right now. 
but uh, just kind of let's start it off, man. Give me your first game. Uh, you're 28 and 17 on the year, still leading, but I'm catching up, dude. So a couple more weeks to go. Um, we'll we'll see what happens. But go ahead and lead it off with that first pick, dude. Yeah, the law of averages is really catching up with me, but we'll see if I can finish <laughs> out a little bit stronger. Uh, first off, I've got Wake Forest. They're a one-and-a-half-point dog at Louisville. Uh, Wake Forest has some real firepower, and Louisville has had guys opting out, seems like, weekly. And then all the discussion around their head coach and whether he's flirting with a job at South Carolina, and he's trying to justify that, and he's doing a terrible job doing it. He really needs to stop <laughs> talking. So give me Wake Forest. They have a lot fewer distractions. Uh, I like them to be able to go on the road and, and win that game outright. Yeah, I, I saw that one. Again, one and a half point spread uh, on the road. I, I, I stayed away from that. But again, I think Wake Forest, I think that they they definitely do have the offensive firepower. We saw what they did earlier in the year against uh, against North Carolina. So I think, I think that's a good pick. Definitely a good one to lead off with here in week 15. Uh, first pick for me, I'm going out to the Pac-12, USC traveling on the road to take on UCLA. Uh, both of these football teams playing pretty well to start the year. Uh, USC favored by two points. I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, take the Trojan in this scenario. Uh, Keaton Slovis, the offensive firepower with those weapons out on the outside. I like his receivers. Uh, I think that this will be a shootout. Could be a whichever team has the ball last type scenario. Uh, but I like USC to cover two on the road against the Bruins. Yeah, Chip Kelly has done a little bit better this year. So I don't know if that's just a weird year, what all is happening there, but he seems to have UCLA a little bit better than he did in his first couple of years. So uh, for my second pick, I've got Iowa. They're also a one-point dog uh, versus Wisconsin. So uh, Iowa, I just think, is the more balanced team. Wisconsin, since that very first game, really has not looked all that great uh, this this entire year. So uh, give me the Hawkeyes to, to win outright against Wisconsin. Dude, you are a big fan of betting those Big Ten matchups with all those one, two, three-point spreads. Um, I, I like it. I like it. I'm not going to just – I'm not going to argue with you. Obviously, you're winning this year. Uh, so again, you got Iowa plus one against Wisconsin. Good pick. Uh, number two for me, I'm going right back to the mullets, coastal Carolina traveling to Troy, Alabama, uh, to take on the Troy Trojans coastal, obviously coming off a thrilling 22, 17 win over BYU, um, traveling to Troy. I love this Jamie Chadwell offense, Adam, um, Kyle Copeland, who we had on the podcast earlier this, uh, earlier this year, he was Chadwell's quarterback a few years ago when he was the head coach of Charleston Southern and, and Kyle speaks super highly of him. I would expect him to have a uh, probably a power five job here in the next couple of years. But uh, Troy has played two teams this year in BYU and Boise State that have had the same caliber level of athletes as what Coastal does. And Troy has lost both of those games by a combined score of 95 to 17. So Coastal still has an outside shot to sneak their way into a New Year's Six Bowl. So give me Coastal Carolina to cover 13 and a half points this upcoming Saturday. Yeah, I mean, barring any type of big win hangover, I think that's a, a really solid pick. Um, next one, I've got Auburn. Uh, they are a six-and-a-half-point favorite at Mississippi State. I just like the you know Auburn's ability to, to be able to score and win fairly big against Mississippi State. Mississippi State and the Bulldogs have not really been uh, that close to anyone. Other than their two wins, they've lost every game by seven or more points this year, and this being their final game of the season – I don't think that they have a ton of motivation with the type of year that they've gone through. <laughs> so I think Auburn and the Tigers can can win this one comfortably. 
Yeah, and I definitely think Gus Malzahn. He's seems like we get to this point of the year every single time where he's on the he's on the hot seat. He's coaching for his job. This is this has got an Auburn win written all over it. He'll save his job. So I, I like that pick right there in the SEC. Uh, I'm going to stay in the SEC also for my third pick. I'm going to go down to the Sunshine State. Uh, LSU at Florida. Florida favored by 23 points. LSU was blasted 55 to 17 last week uh, against Alabama. LSU's defense, dude. They're giving up 34 points, 470 yards a game. We we also the we all saw the video of Coach O going batshit crazy on Bo Pelini on the sideline, throwing his headset, screaming God knows what. And here comes Kyle Trask, the leader for the Heisman Trophy right now. I think as it sits, Florida's going to want to put up a dominant performance against Tigers. You know, keep their momentum going as they head into Atlanta next weekend to face Alabama. So. Um, it's kind of a risky pick. Obviously, backdoor cover is highly possible, but give me the Gators to cover 23 on Saturday against LSU. Yeah, I think both of us got beat on the betting on Florida last week against Tennessee. Yeah. So yeah. It is a little risky, but uh, my next one, I've got Central Michigan fire up chips at Toledo. The over-under is 52.5. Uh, now the Chippewas are giving up about 31 points per game. So there's a realistic chance Toledo could do almost all of that by themselves, but I think combined <laughs> that's a pretty easy over. I like it. I like it. I'm going to go kind of an off-the-wall pick also. Akron traveling to Buffalo over under on this game set at 59 points. Uh, kind of an off-the-wall pick. I haven't seen either of these teams play one snap of football, but I'm a numbers guy, and when I saw this stat, I locked it in immediately. Buffalo is scoring over 50 points a game, and in their last nine games, the over has hit eight times. So give me the over in Buffalo versus Akron on Saturday, over 59. Um, just hold our breath and see what happens, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am going to stay in the state of Michigan for our Michigan listeners uh, with my final pick. I've got Michigan State. They are a 15-point underdog at Penn State. Uh, I just like this to be a, you know, a close game. It might be a, a 10 to 14 point game, but I think Michigan State can hold it a little bit closer. Penn State really hasn't been able to blow out anybody so far this year. So at Michigan State's not, not the greatest team and they have been blown out, but uh, I just think this is going to be a low scoring game between two teams that are just struggling to get to the end of the year. What are your thoughts on James Franklin right now? I know a couple of weeks ago we were talking about Franklin, you know, being one of the leading candidates for the Texas job. Um, so, do you think James Franklin? Do you think he's kind of, you know, his reputation as a coach has kind of taken a hit this year, or do you just kind of give him a mulligan and chalk it up to COVID? You know, early on when they lost to Indiana in the opener, there was a lot of people that were incredibly unhappy with him. And I don't know if it's fan apathy after losing a couple of games. I think they started 0-3. Maybe people just kind of gave up and really were like, "What's worth? it's not worth complaining about. Go find something else to do with our Saturdays. <laughs> but it seems like they've eased up on them. And maybe that's because of all the hits that they've taken with COVID, guys opting out, injuries, things like that. So I don't know. It's It's odd. I think he really took himself out of contention for the Texas job. I don't know if he even wanted it, but... That's that's a sell that you can't make to the Texas fan base right now. So uh, kind of odd. I, I don't really know what to think of him. Like he's I don't think he's ever going to be able to supplant uh, Ohio State. He hasn't shown the ability to get to the Big Ten championship game uh, on a consistent basis, even if he is able to beat Ohio State. So I, I don't know what 
what he's looking to do. I know he's from Pennsylvania, but uh, he gets brought up for NFL jobs here and there, but I don't know. Penn State fans don't seem to be terribly happy with him overall on his uh, on his career there. I was fully expecting, um, hopefully, for Texas to at least test the waters with Franklin, especially after it came out earlier this week that you know Urban Meyer had, had told Texas no. Um, that that was a fun day to be on the message boards and kind of check and see the you know the Texas fan base melt down a little bit more. Always fun to see, but uh, again, I, I think Tom Herman will be back. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but again, getting getting back to the picks here, fifth and final pick for me, I'm going to America's game on Sunday. College game day is going to be there. Navy at Army. This will be at West Point. Over under on this game is set at a remarkably high, 40 and a half. And since 2005, Adam, when the service academies have shared the field, the under on this one has gone 36, nine and one. So 40 and a half, I know it's I know it's not a ton of points, but I'm going to take the under on this one. This is going to be two teams that, you know, 95%, they predominantly run the football. You're going to be looking at eight, nine, ten play, you know, running drives. Clock's going to be moving the entirety uh, of this game. So I, I think that, you know, this could be like a 17-14 type game. Um, but give me the under uh, in the Battle of the Service Academies on Sunday. Yeah, uh, you never know what the option teams. Uh, there it looks like there could be some rain in the forecast. Maybe that throws a wrench in things. President Trump will be there, so uh, it, it's always a fun game, and it'll be a little bit extra special since it's going to be at West Point, which it never is. Uh, so, do you um, make it we'll a point like there. a lot of people do to watch that game every single year, just because it is a service academy game, or uh, is it just kind of one that you you know you check in on every once in a while and? Usually, it's it has its own week. It's a week after all the other games have finished, so it's typically the only game on. So I might casually be like, "Yeah, I'll watch something." It's it's on, but I don't know. I mean, there's not a ton of games this Saturday, so I don't know. Maybe I will, but I it's not appointment viewing for me now. It'll be interesting since the fact that they'll be sharing, you know, the TV with NFL Sunday. But to, to me, I mean, as good as these. As good as these teams are at running the option, I mean, it seems to me like the the pregame is what's always the the most uh, you know the most entertaining thing to watch with all the you know the cadets, the troops, you know, what, uh, always walking in the flyovers with with both schools. That's always an extremely patriotic type thing. Like you said, President Trump's going to be there. That's going to be exciting. Uh, so definitely be tuned in right before kickoff for that one. But yeah. um, I've got point on Saturday. Um, is it I don't on know Saturday? Yeah, I've got Saturday. I thought they pushed that back for some reason. Mm. Well, totally, totally disregard that, guys. That's going to be happening on Saturday. So, uh, Adam, two things before we get out of here. We haven't talked about this yet, but Shane Beamer taking the job at South Carolina. OU's, you know, uh, H-back tight ends coach uh, taking the South Carolina job. Just kind of what are your early thoughts on that as as he heads to the SEC? It's interesting, the amount of support and praise that he's received on the way out. That's, that's always something that shows, you know, someone's well-liked and is really good at their job. So I'm sure we'll miss him, but at the same time, a tight ends fullback special teams coach is fairly replaceable. What we'll miss most is probably his recruiting ties into the mid Atlantic area. Like to think that Lincoln Riley has some of those uh, considering his time with East Carolina, but I also think, too, the Sooners have done so well recruiting in Virginia and Maryland and D.C. and even North Carolina at some level over the past four or five years that 
we, we've built up a reputation and hopefully can continue some of that uh, as the years go on, even without Shane Beamer. But he's got his work cut out for him down there at South Carolina. That's not going to be an easy job to win at. No, and again, the impact that he's had here at OU from a recruiting standpoint as a tight end H-back position coach, that H-back room right now is probably the most talented room, you know, at that position in the entire country. So the impact that he's made, you know, on the recruiting trail, kind of making OU more of a, you know, have a, a greater presence up there in the Northeast, I think has been huge. Just look at Caleb Williams, uh, what they've been able to do out there. But uh Again, I wish him nothing but the best of luck. You know, listening to all of his interviews, seems like one hell of a guy. He's a family man, but going up there to South Carolina, dude, where you're right there in the heart of the SEC East, where Florida's back, Georgia's always going to be a problem. You're playing Clemson every single year at the non-conference, and recruiting is going to be absolutely uh, – it's going to be a tough, tough thing for Shane Beamer to do uh, going into the same room as a Kirby Smart and a Dabo Sweeney. But, uh, again, extremely excited for him. I think it was only a matter of time uh, but before he got a head coaching job, well-deserved. And I'm going to be rooting for him. I'm definitely going to be following that program. Not sure what the realistic expectations are for South Carolina being in the SEC East right now, but uh, I, I think he has a chance to build that program back up, and uh, we'll see what they can do. So, uh, but Adam, let's uh, before we get out of here. Obviously, Big Twelve Championship happening next week. We'll dive into it in depth, pretty good uh, next week. But just kind of, what are your early thoughts uh, as OU looks to avenge that early season loss and win their sixth straight Big Twelve Championship next weekend? Yeah, Iowa State seems like they're peaking at the right time. Although the bye week kind of slows that momentum down. Hopefully, <laughs> at least from OU's perspective. But uh, OU's going to be in for a dogfight. I think they'll have plenty of motivation to go out. Uh, so should be a pretty good game. Yeah, I could, couldn't agree with you more. After that Baylor performance, I was really wanting OU to get back on the field this Saturday against West Virginia, kind of get that bad taste out of their mouth offensively. Watching watching Iowa State, what they did to West Virginia you know, last weekend, you know, I, that's a damn good football team that's going to be rolling into Dallas on Saturday next, next weekend. And Matt Campbell has done an outstanding job. Uh, with that football team, obviously we know about Brees Hall, Charlie Kolar. That's going to be the matchup that I'm that I think essentially is going to win OU the football game. Is if they are able to, you know, bottle up, you know, Brees Hall, hold him, you know, kind of force Brock Purdy to beat him with his arm, and then we'll we'll see what happens at that nickelback position with OU covering those, you know, big six five six six tight ends. So we'll dive into it a lot more next week. I can't wait. Should be an exciting game. Uh, it's going to be a war. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be physical. It's going to be two really good, really good football teams peaking at the right time with the championship on the line. So cannot wait to get down to Dallas uh, next weekend. So anything else, Adam, before we wrap it up here? No, that's all I got. Awesome. Well, again, always appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we'll we'll have the new episode up here shortly. Again, go on go online, subscribe, give us a like, uh, follow us, give us a review. Always appreciate hearing the feedback from you guys. And we will be back next weekend previewing the Big 12 Championship right here on another episode of the Mainline Podcast.